Welcome to What Do You Need to Know About God in Today's World. Today, I want to discuss what you need to know about God, the founders in America as a Christian nation. As the left is trying to rewrite our history and de-Christianize America, I want to alert you to America's Christian heritage and the Western culture that helped to bring stability to an uncivil, barbaric, immoral world. And like the founders, we must understand that the more we eject Christianity out of our world, the more we see signs of emerging immorality again, such as excessive violence, sexual deviance, and a total disregard for the sanctity of life, and understand that our stability and survival rests upon our obedience to Christ and drawing nearer to him. Because America can only remain the greatest nation on earth if she cling to Christ and her Christian founding. As we explore our Judeo-Christian heritage of America, I want to note that it's very ironic that the very same places where this nation was first founded and dedicated to Christ are places that have been at the forefront of the movement to abandon Christianity and de-Christianize the nation. This is a spiritual battle where Satan is attempting to dethrone God in this country and establish himself as America's ruler. So let this message be a clarion call to hold on to our godly heritage in our places of origin and throughout America. Now let's review our history. America first began in many of the New England states like Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and others. And practically all of these states have unbelievably taken a 180 degree turn from their Christian roots and in an astounding contrast have become secularized bastions of liberal theology and practices. Even though in our embryonic stages in these states, our country produced the most extraordinary, revolutionary-minded men and women who were God-fearing and who acknowledged and were guided by God as they formed this country and rooted the foundations of all our institutions in biblical doctrine. It was in these places where people came from England, primarily seeking religious liberties from the control of the church in England. Thus, the majority, if not all, of these colonies were founded by Christians. Let's do a drive-through. The founder of the Massachusetts Bay Colony, John Winthrop, was a Puritan lawyer who called it the city on the hill. To describe it as the new Christian religious community his colonists desired to build in service to God Almighty. Virginia, the first permanent colony, was issued a charter in 1606 by King James I, which stated that the colony was founded for the furtherance of the gospel. Rhode Island was founded by Roger Williams, a preacher who named the capital Providence, which was a reference to God and his divine guidance, intervention, and direction. The colony of Pennsylvania was established by William Penn, who was a devout Quaker. New Hampshire was founded by Puritans. The colony of Maryland was a haven for Catholics and Protestants. And New York colony, first settled by the Dutch, was a haven for different religions such as Quaker, Lutheran, Anglican, Catholic, and Judaism. And not only were the people who founded and settled these colonies Christians, but the charters that were written to establish these colonies attest they were created for furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. Before the pilgrims even arrived, the first charter of Virginia states the colony was established, quote, for the furtherance of so noble a work by which the providence of Almighty God in propagating of the Christian religion to such people as yet live in darkness and miserable ignorance of the true knowledge and worship of God 
and may in time bring the infidels to human civility and to a settled, quiet government. Next, the Pilgrims made flower compact in 1620 states, in the name of God, having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith, a voyage to plant a colony, combine ourselves together in a civil body politic. Massachusetts First Charter in 1629 states it was for the directing, ruling, and disposing of all other matters where our people may be so religiously, peaceably, and civilly governed and incite the natives of the country to the knowledge and obedience of the only true God and Savior of mankind and the Christian faith. Hartford, Connecticut's Fundamental Orders in 1638 state, We enter into a confederation together to maintain and preserve the liberty and purity of the gospel of our Lord Jesus, which we now profess. In 1639, New Hampshire was founded by Puritans, and they stated, Considering with ourselves the holy will of God, we do, in the name of Christ and God, combine ourselves to erect such government to our best discerning will be agreeable to the will of God. The great law of the Pennsylvania colony written in 1682 states, the glory of almighty God and the good of mankind is the reason and the end of government and therefore government itself is a venerable ordinance of God. Delaware's constitution declared that a candidate for office must say, I do profess faith in God, Jesus Christ, his only son, and in the Holy Ghost, and acknowledge the Holy Scriptures, which are given by divine inspiration. So all of this establishes that the nation was created for the advancement of the gospel of Christ and for God's glory and was to be built on biblical doctrines. Here are some other interesting facts about our founding fathers and institutions. All 56 of the signers of the Declaration of Independence had some religious affiliation. Over half of them had received degrees from schools considered to be seminaries. Eleven of the first 13 states required faith in Jesus and the Bible as qualifications for holding public office. All but two, 106 of 108, of the first universities founded in America were Christian. This includes Harvard and Yale. Harvard, named after John Harvard, who left over half his estate to help fund and found the first and oldest college in America, was established to train men for Christian ministry because the charter stated they did not want to leave an illiterate ministry to the churches. And Harvard was founded on the phrase Christi Glorium, a Latin phrase meaning for the glory of Christ. And it was dedicated to the phrase Veritas Christo et Ecclesiae, meaning truth for Christ and the church. Harvard's student handbook even listed its number one rule as, let every student be instructed in their studies to know God and Christ as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. And seeing the Lord only gives wisdom, let everyone seriously set himself by prayer in secret to seek wisdom of him. And the students were required to read the scriptures twice a day. And other Ivy League universities had similar Christian foundings. Yale University 
had a charter that clearly expressed the purpose for its foundation. Yale's charter stated, for the zeal for upholding and propagating of the Christian Protestant religion, that youth may be instructed in the arts and sciences, who through the blessings of Almighty God may be fitted for public employment, both in church and civil state. Princeton University in New Jersey was founded by Presbyterians. Jonathan Dickinson was the first president of Princeton, and he stated, Curse be all learning that is contrary to the cross of Christ. William and Mary, founded in 1691 by the Reverend James Blair, was established that the Christian faith might be propagated. Brown was founded in 1764 as a Baptist institution. And Dartmouth was founded to train missionaries to the Indians. You see, the founders believed that all knowledge without Christ was vain. And in 1655, the New Haven Code even declared that all school children must be able to read the scriptures, making the Bible the first textbook in the U.S. So we see much evidence of our Christian founding. And though the left likes to claim separation of church and state, a phrase taken out of context written in a letter by Thomas Jefferson, and argued to mean that government cannot participate in nor promote religious activities, even though these words are found nowhere in the Constitution, and someone should have told that to the founders, because the founders, including Jefferson himself, engaged in and promoted religious activities. Let's examine this. In 1800, the Congress voted that the Capitol building in D.C., also served as a church, and President Jefferson attended Sunday church there and provided government musicians to assist in worship. Jefferson also urged states to set aside land for Christian use, and in 1804, he prepared a volume of the key teachings of Jesus to be distributed among the Indians. Alexander Hamilton, the first Secretary of Treasury and co-author of the Federalist Papers helped form the Christian Constitutional Society to spread the gospel to other nations. James Madison, our fourth president, encouraged public officials to declare openly their Christian beliefs and proclaim days of prayer, fasting, and thanksgiving, and he attended church at the Capitol. John Jay, the nation's first chief justice who helped pen the Federalist Papers, was president of the American Bible Society. John Witherspoon and other signers of the Declaration of Independence started the Sunday School Movement and Bible and Missionary Societies. Dr. Benjamin Rush, a signer of the Declaration of Independence, founded the Sunday School Movement and the first Bible Society in America and he encouraged Bible reading in our schools and stated, The great enemy of the salvation of man never invented a more effectual means of extirpating Christianity from the world than by persuading mankind that it was improper to read the Bible at schools. The Bible should be read in our schools in preference to all other books. The founders Samuel Adams, Benjamin Franklin, and Noah Webster reprinted a 1690 New England Primer school book 
with alphabetized scriptures to be memorized for all students in their states. And the Congress in 1775 called all citizens to fast and pray and confess their sins that the Lord may bless the land. In 1777, they voted to spend $300,000 to purchase Bibles to be distributed throughout the 13 colonies. And in 1782, officially approved for a Bible to be printed and used in all schools. Yes, the Founding Fathers obviously incorporated, authorized, permitted, encouraged, and participated in religious activities as they govern. Now let's listen to them in their own words and quotes. President George Washington stated, Above all the habits which lead political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports, and stated that it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Thomas Jefferson, considered to be one of the least religious founders, wrote in the front of his Bible, I am a real Christian, that is to say, a disciple of the doctrine of Jesus. He also stated, The God who gave us life gave us liberty. Can the liberty of a nation be secure when we have removed conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? Alexander Hamilton stated, I have carefully examined the evidence of the Christian religion and can prove its truth. Dr. Benjamin Rush stated, that the children be carefully instructed in the principles and obligations of the Christian religion. This is the most essential part of our education. He also stated, the only foundation for a useful education in a republic is to be led in religion. Without this, there can be no virtue, and without virtue, there can be no liberty. John Adams, our second president, stated, our constitution was made only for moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. His son, John Quincy Adams, the sixth president, stated, the highest glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissoluble bond the principles of civil government with the principles of Christianity. Samuel Adams, cousin of John Adams, stated, it is in the interest of tyrants to reduce the people to ignorance and vice, because tyrants cannot live in any country where virtue and knowledge prevail. He also stated, Let each citizen remember as he votes, he is executing one of the most solemn trusts in human society, which he is accountable to God and country. And he stated, The right to freedom is the gift of God Almighty, and the rights of the colonists as Christians may be best understood by reading and carefully studying the institutes of the great lawgiver and head of the Christian church found in the New Testament. George Mason, the father of the Bill of Rights, stated, By an inevitable chain of causes and effects, providence punishes national sins by national calamities. So I would conclude where I started. America was founded on Christian doctrine and created to advance the gospel of Christ. And we need to get back to our Christian roots. 
for America can only maintain her greatness by remaining connected to the true founder of this nation, the creator of the universe, God, and the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of all mankind. So I encourage you to do your own research into our Christian founding, for as I stated, we are in spiritual war, and it is all about reclaiming this nation for the Lord. Now, the popular phrase of the people, by the people, and for the people did not originate from Abraham Lincoln, but from an American preacher and reformer by the name of Theodore Parker, in which he stated, There is what I call the American idea that demands a government of the people, by the people, and for all the people, a government after the principles of eternal justice, the unchanging law of God, for I call it the idea of freedom. That's what America is. It is the birthplace of freedom, where the natural, inalienable, God-given rights of every man, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, self-determination, are to be extolled and practiced, and where God's unchanging divine laws and principles of eternal justice have been instituted and enacted. For as Winthrop stated, America did become that city on a hill that spread the gospel throughout the world. And God's hand is still on this nation, for he never abandons his work. The question is, will we abandon him and fall into rapid decline? Or will we submit ourselves to him to be governed by him and remain in our heights? As the founders understood, no person, nation, or civilization can prosper and succeed by the ingenuity of man alone. Such must obey and rely on the providence of Almighty God. Today, Yahweh God is urging us to return to him, as it says in Zechariah 1.3, Return to me, and I will return to you. Now, I'll conclude with these quotes from Ben Franklin, who's considered the least religious of the founding fathers. He stated that the moral religious system which Jesus Christ transmitted to us is the best the world has ever seen or can see. He also stated this, here is my creed. I believe in one God creator of the universe, that he governs it by his providence, that he ought to be worshiped that the most acceptable service we render him is doing good to his other children, that the soul of man is immortal and will be treated with justice in another life. Make that your creed today and believe on and worship Jesus who died for our sins and do good to all mankind for Christ will judge us in eternity and no one will escape his judgment. So I thank you, Lord, for convicting individual hearts and this nation to return to you. For life is all about worshiping and glorifying Christ and furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen.